Powell pause, slowing economic momentum and coal for Christmas. Welcome. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Let's get right to it. I'm Danny Clayton. Glad to have you here. Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management in the studio. Welcome. It's great to be here. Yeah, we got Dave Spano, our President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Yeah, thanks, Danny. And we did have a nice close on Friday, up more than 250 points and so much data that goes into that. Danny set it up with the Powell pause. And we have talked about this in the past, but there is some more information that came out this week that we thought we'd like to share. Yeah, so when Chair Powell spoke on Friday, the markets really liked what he said. Basically, he sat down in front of a bunch of college students and told them that he thought monetary policy was well into restrictive territory. That means that he's probably not contemplating pushing for further rate hikes. So it really does boil down to how long will this pause be? Is it a pause that refreshes or is it a pause that's just going to create more damage for the overall economy? And that's what we're going to have to watch as we go into 2024, there is certainly a lot of economists, Brian, who are starting to talk about rate cuts in 2024, but that's a dual-edged sword. It really is, because in the past, when the Fed has cut rates, it's because they've already held rates high for too long, too much damage was done, and so they had to reverse course. Now, there are a couple instances in history where the Fed has actually gotten it right. Who knows? Maybe this will be one of them. It remains to be seen. But in 94 to 95 and then in 98, the Fed, they had a pause and then they cut rates a little bit because they actually noticed ahead of time that the economic momentum was fading too fast. We have to see how preemptive the Fed is going to be. So far, Chair Powell hasn't really talked too much about trying to be preemptive or proactive about trying to get in front of an economic slowdown. And that's generally not their, what, what they do. They look at facts, and they, which is really looking in the rearview mirror. But we did get some data this week that could help that his argument, and that was really what came out of what's called the Beige Book. Yes, so the Beige book is this collection of anecdotes from around the United States, 12 Federal Reserve districts. Six of those districts said that economic activity actually fell. Now, that's just a one-month snapshot, so a lot of people like to look at, you know, uh, an economic contraction of multiple months. It has to be really prolonged to count as a recession. But this was one of the first times that the Beige Book, in a long time, said that there's actually been an economic contraction across a rather broad swath of the U.S. economy. And you take a look at that, and you try to, to align that with really what's happening when the consumer still is spending. We're seeing the spending reports that came out from Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and it really doesn't align with that beige book, though. No, it doesn't. You know, the consumer has, I think, befuddled a lot of economists as far as how strong spending has been. Black Friday sales at brick and mortar, that is, if you go to a physical store, was only up about 2.5% year over year. Most of the time, you would expect that to be up significantly more. Online, however, was up close to about 8% year over year. So there is this growing divide in the retail space that continues. You know, I'd like to think that with my shopping that most of it is online. I, I like the convenience, having things delivered. I kind of minimize the things I need to go to a store because I don't like dealing with parking. But, you know, I think a lot of people are still going out to those stores looking for the discounts. That was another thing in the beige book that was pointed out. Consumers are becoming increasingly more price sensitive. And so if the price in the store is cheaper than what you can find online, 
online, people are still willing to truck through that parking lot to get through the doors. Mrs. Bono <laughs> clearly is doing her part of it. She came in and I said, what's going on? She says, I'm just trying to keep the economy going. I do listen to the show, she said. And finally, I just want to get to this last thing, which is another economic number, which is called the PMI. We saw a number that came out of the Chicago PMI, which was rather positive. Yeah, it was. And that's another interesting thing. You have these regional divergences where Chicago Purchasing Manager Index, hey, it's positive. But then we also then got the Institute of Supply Managements, which is broader for the whole United States, still being in contraction. You've gotten Richmond uh, numbers, Dallas numbers, all these areas. So really, is it a recession or maybe it really depends on which industry you're in and which area you live in? Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist, Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. We've got them for the rest of the show. What we do is investment and retirement planning, tax planning. We do estate planning. We do those four things as a fee-only fiduciary. Our week in review is just one aspect of Annex Wealth Management. This show, great sample of what we do on behalf of our clients. We can do the same for you. It's important, especially with 2024 right around the corner. It starts at AnnexWealth.com. Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Saturday, December 2nd, Marquette, Wisconsin Day. We're going to be right back at 620 WTMJ. We are back. We often say check us out on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. want to call your attention to some brand new videos at the Annex Wealth Management YouTube channel. Planning for an inheritance, millionaire myths, and financial planning for medical professionals. Those are things that we help our clients with, and we can help you. Just head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. In the studio, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano, President and CEO. Yeah, thanks, Danny. You know, Brian, probably... 20 years ago, we started using ETFs or exchange trade mm-hmm. funds, and that really, we were on the vanguard of things back then, if you will. We started to use them, and it's really become this predominant way that people are investing. For You know, there's a lot of benefits to mm-hmm. it. There's no question about it, you know, transparency and low cost, but you really have to know what you own. And I know I mm-hmm. pound the table on that pretty often, but if you look, for example, just across asset classes, the divergence between performance is really amazing. You look at, for example, what the NASDAQ has done year to date up 46% and compare that, for example, to other particular industries. And you're like, well, I'm not getting that. Yeah. So the ETF complexion is so important. It really is. And we do use ETFs. There are certain tax efficiencies with those as well that uh, we really appreciate the the ability to trade them intraday. And let me just jump in. We use them as one of the tools. We use individual securities. We use individual bonds. We use mutual funds, no load world-class funds where appropriate. But we do use ETFs. I'm just trying to yep. draw people's attention to all in or all one product is something to be aware of. That is because you look at the ETF and a lot of times people look at them as though it's like a stock and it's not. It's a collection of securities. And then what is actually in there? For example, you had mentioned about like the NASDAQ, right? There are actually different NASDAQ indices. When you look at the financial media and they talk about NASDAQ, is it every stock that trades on that exchange? Or is it uh, this particular one, the NASDAQ 100, which is just the top 100, which tends to be very, very large cap companies. So very big companies, more in the technology space. That has done incredibly well year to date. But I would also have to point out the last two years, it's actually gone nowhere. Right. So it, even though it is the big winner year to date, it was kind of a loser last year. And you look at the ETF construction, for example, let's talk about small caps for just a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that ETF, you have to go in what's in that portfolio. A lot of people don't do that work. But some of those companies are losers 
uh, year to date and even in the last couple of years. It, you know, some companies take them out of their ETFs yep. and some don't. If you add those losers back in, the P.E. ratio goes through the rough. Yeah, we've done some analysis on that, looking at two popular small cap indices that are available as ETFs. One is from the Russell 2000. And so as you would imagine, 2000 small companies, upwards of 40 to 45 percent of the companies in there don't make profits. They're not profitable. Whereas if you look at something like the S&P 600, which is another index, they actually have somewhat of a profitability filter as far as determining which companies count as far as going in there. So you take the 2000, whittle it down to about 600 of them. The vast majority of those are profitable. And so you do have to ask the question is, how important are those profits? Now, the market oftentimes doesn't care about current profitability. It's about what's going to happen in the future, what's the growth rate for that. So there are periods where the profitable ones can underperform. But when we look at the valuations of those, I don't know, there's a little bit of comfort in investing in the profitable ones as opposed exactly. to the unprofitable ones. It's kind of ones. the idea, right? The mother's milk of the stock moving is the profitability. You know, one of the things that we're going to do at the end of the show, Danny, is talk about Charlie Munger. Folks, Charlie Munger was the vice chairman uh, for, for Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway, and he unfortunately passed away this past week at the ripe old age of 99. You know, so he's, he's had a great life. But one of the things that he did, Danny, he's had unbelievable sayings, and we're going to try to cover those in, in the last part of the show here. But you'll remember, for example, Brian, they used to have this event in Omaha every year. We used to call it the Woodstock for financial geeks. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so I remember, actually, I think I had some relatives who went to the actual Woodstock. I don't think they would have gone to the Woodstock of financial geeks down there in Omaha. A little bit different crowd there, I think. It, it was like the Price is Right meets Woodstock. I've seen <laughs> yes. it. I mean, people dress up. They have a great time. We're going to talk about Charlie Munger toward the end of the show. Financial planning in a changing tax world, it is what we do. Got a new presentation plan to handle that. Preview, complete details are next. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. The Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee is locked and laser-focused on every aspect of the markets. Go deep with the SWAT podcast. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Delivered every Monday morning on Spotify. Search Annex Wealth Management for the SWAT podcast. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Dean Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management, also a CFP, CDFA, and a Wealth Manager at Annex. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Eric Strom also joins us, Manager of Financial Planning at Annex, in addition to being a CFP and an EA, an enrolled agent with the IRS. Welcome back, Eric. Hello, Danny. So we're going to talk about financial planning in a changing tax world. I know the two of you have done this presentation before. Why don't I just save a lot of time and we can replay it? But no. <laughs> <laughs> Too much has changed. It has changed. As you know, tax laws change. It's important to react properly to those changes. There's so much that's changed. Yeah. So, Danny, so as we mature in our jobs and careers, we know that what you make is great, but it's what you get to keep that matters a little bit more. So that planning around this is especially important to our listeners that are going through a transition, heading to and through retirement, especially. There are certain times within your retirement years right at that point when you turn on cash flows and you're doing that income replacement. And this is all about taxation. Sometimes, as you've heard me say before, one of the biggest mistakes that we see people make is before they talk to us or come to us, they might retire and turn on every source of income, which 
sounds great because they're panicking. They're thinking, how am I going to pay my bills? But what they've really done is turn on a source of taxation. There needs to be thought about that retirement replacement paycheck. That's where tax planning comes in. Okay. It's December 2023. 2024 is right around the corner. That's all good, but there's a bigger issue coming up at the end of next year. That's right. We're in a very pivotal time. This is why we're talking about tax planning now. For starters, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was an incredibly major tax reform, is expiring at the end of 2025. So that means that the next two years, we know the rules and it all is changing dramatically under current law. However, we also know we're going into an election year in 2024. And the expiring of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was intentionally timed to show right after that presidential election. So we know that what happens next year is absolutely pivotal to the inevitable tax bill that we're going to see prior to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Now, we can't tell the future, but my guess would be that we will likely see a tax bill passed before the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act to make major changes. And the reason I say that is because tax bills can be passed using appropriations, which makes it a lot easier when you do budget reconciliation to pass those with just a simple majority. And that's how we've seen all the major tax legislation really being passed over the last many years. And so it's incredibly important to remember that we've got a current tax environment that is expiring and that there's unknown in the future. And that's why it's never been more important to really make those deliberate tax strategies now. So there are things that can be done currently leading up to the expiration of that act at the end of 25. This is the time to think about what is my income look like? Should I do a Roth conversion? Should I be super contributing to my Roth even? What about situations like gains harvesting, not just loss harvesting, but should I actually accelerate taking gains now if I think that I'm going to be in a higher tax bracket later? These are some of the things that really need to be looked at. What I like about this annex approach is we're staying ready rather than getting ready. Oh, yeah. When will we have the picture of what's going to happen? Well, we know the picture under current law for 2024 and 2025. And we also know because taxes are typically the largest expense you're going to have in retirement, we know that um, even though the picture isn't clear, it's never going to be clear. Because if you go back the last 10 years, we are seeing major tax reform and major tax laws passing almost every year. If you go back since the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, we have to know that there's uncertainty in the future. And because of that, we want to do tax strategies to help us keep that flexibility to deal with the unknown. One thing we have to be cognizant of and remind ourselves, too, is that the sunsetting of this act really is most impactful on the person, the individual filing their tax return and their taxes, their brackets, the ending of that limitation on the SALT deduction, you know, the state and local taxes. So that's all stuff that's set to sunset. But what it's not impacting majorly are those C corporations, the big publicly traded companies that are actually the market. So that enables the market to focus on what it should be, which is earnings and and perhaps the political environment too. But one less wall of worry for the corporations would be the tax corporate rates changing. For smaller businesses, though, there are tax benefits such as the famous 20% QBI deduction for pass-through entities. That's set to sunset at the end of 2025. A lot of the tax planning that's needed to really leverage your situation, whether you're an individual 
or business owner is very technical and also understand there are firms out there doing light tax planning to position insurance products and things like that. You want to be very careful. Tax planning is somewhat trendy. If you're going to be working with a firm that does tax planning, make sure that they've got actual credentialed seasoned tax specialists that are CPAs, enrolled agents that have been with the firm for a long time that actually can do that technical work and make sure you're not getting caught up in firms that are offering light tax planning because that is oftentimes not sufficient to really leverage and get yourself the most money that you can after tax. Deanne, our presentation is coming up pretty quickly. It's financial planning in a changing tax world. When and where? So that is happening on Wednesday, December the 13th at 6 p.m. at our Annex Wealth Management Elm Grove headquarters. You can head right to our website, AnnexWealth.com, under the Events tab. Please do sign up. This is filling up, but there's still a little bit of room, Danny. All right. If you want to get going sooner than later, head right to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Eric Strom, Manager Financial Planning at Annex. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, thank you. Thanks for having me. It is bottom of the hour on Saturday, December 2nd. It's time to get caught up. And for that, we go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Time for Ask Annex. As always, you get a question, you head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. You look for the Ask tab. I'm Danny Clayton in the studio with Matt Morsey, Investment Team Manager, also a CFP. Welcome. Hey, Danny. Fred Coleman is the CFP and a Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. First question on Ask Annex today. My wife and I each bought $10,000 in I-bonds in December of 2021 and another $10,000 each in March of 2022. Is it time to cash out now that the rates are lower? If we cash out, we probably will throw the funds into our HYSA. Any input is appreciated. Yeah, it, it seems like it was just yesterday when those I-bonds were popping and it was well mm-hmm. above 7% back in 2021 when you bought them. And then they even went up towards 9 because, you know, they're tied to inflation and now they've announced it's going to be around 4%. So they're not as attractive, right? One thing that I tell people to always keep in mind is because you've held it for less than five years, uh, you'll lose three months mm-hmm. in interest. So you need to ensure that you've held it for that full six-month period. And that may require you holding it for an additional three months to make sure you get that higher interest rate. The other thing to consider with I-bonds, they're not taxed at the state level. Mm -hmm. And Matt's your investment team does a good job with this, but you always tell us what the tax equivalent yield is when comparing the different options. So you do get some tax savings when you invest in those I-bonds. But overall, I do think it's a good time to look at alternatives. So depending on what the high-yield savings account is paying, that could be a good option. Annex also has other cash equivalents such as money markets, looking at CDs, treasuries, all those things. Uh, But now is the time to look at other options. Yeah, I think you made some really good points there. I would certainly be doing the math on what yield are you expecting to get in the future versus what you're able to get now and another, you know, instrument like a money market, like you said, you know, also look at what your tax equivalent yield is, depending on what your marginal tax rate is going to make a difference in terms of where you stand and where you sit there, uh, knowing that you're going to be exempt from the state and local taxes. That's not the biggest thing in the world, but something you certainly want to calculate and see where you go. You know, also just look at too, if there's not a large difference and what that end dollar amount is, you know, it might not be worth the time to, to move that out for now and just to see how things go, knowing that there are maximums that you can put back into it. If we get a spot where inflation starts to go back up again, those rates start to go, you're going to be limited to what you put back in and you might find yourself in a worse situation. So I would just kind of do the math on it, really come there and then look at those high yield savings accounts, money markets. Maybe that's a spot for another section of cash that you have right now today, but knowing in the future, you could always add more. 
Next up on Ask Annex, looking to buy a home and I qualify as a first time home buyer. When reading up on withdrawing money, it looks like I was able to take up to $10,000 on my Roth 401k and $10,000 on my Roth IRA for the home. I'm just confirming this and making sure it's not 10K total from both. Yeah, great question. The thing to keep in mind is those are completely separate. The Roth 401k and the Roth IRA, those are two totally separate instruments. For Roth IRA contributions, regardless of when you put the contributions in, you can take those out and you're not going to be taxed again on those. The earnings portion of Roth, they have that five-year rule, 59 and a half years old. And then with the Roth 401k, you want to contact the 401k plan administrator to get the exact amount that you're eligible to take out. Um, But it also depends on how much you have vested. If you have matches, usually they offer some type of loan or hardship type withdrawal for a down payment. But before pulling that trigger, you want to make sure you evaluate all investment options because taking $10,000 out of your retirement can really affect how much you have in the long run. So there is an opportunity cost. Final question on Ask Annex. When diversifying my entire portfolio, should I include each child's 529? Or should I see that as more of their portfolio and not mine? Yeah, good question again. You know, when I look at types of things like that, I tend to bucket them out in my mind. I would also do this with this as well, too. Knowing that the 529 is specifically for your child's higher education, I would think of it specifically in that way when you look at the allocation. Really more from a standpoint of how old is that child, and we've done some of these 529 questions in the past, of how old is that child and how much risk do you want to take with that set of money based on how many more years they have till college. If you look at this as part of your full portfolio, you might end up being on the wrong side of that, where maybe you're not taking enough risk somewhere else in a portfolio, so you take more here to try to even that out, but that child's 17 and they're going to need the money soon. Could be the exact opposite where you're not taking enough risk in the 529 because in your Roth IRA, you're all equities. And so you try to scale that back. So again, that math isn't going to work out. So I would keep this fully separate from each other based off the kid, how old they are, you know, how important is this bucket of money going to be for their college? I would focus really on that when it came to that allocation. The only thing to keep in mind when it comes to the financial planning aspect is if you do need to take money out of the other investments, just the cash flow aspect of it. Like Matt said, you know, as far as the investment and risk tolerance, those should be totally separate. But if you do need to do some cash flow planning, it can be included in your overall financial plan. Fred Coleman's a CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Thanks. Thanks, Danny. Matt Morrissey, CFP, investment team manager. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Up next, what are Henry's and why can they use help from a firm like Annex Wealth Management? This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management show on 620 WTMJ. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Joined by Jeff Stanek, CFP, Wealth Manager and Manager of Annex Ignite. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. Let's start there. What is Annex Ignite? Well, Annex Ignite is it's an online service that we help our clients get to know us and we get to know them. And depending on where they are in their stage of life, we segment them either in Ignite or our Annex Full Service. So you're the perfect guy for this segment. We are going to talk about Henry's. Can you explain who Henry's are and what are some of the characteristics of them? Well, the term Henry is an acronym for high earners, not rich yet. So these are most likely college graduates earning over $100,000. But what's unique about them is they have a lot of student debt, a lot of consumer debt, and their net worth is not very high yet. But they're on their way. They're saving, they're investing, but they're dealing with a number of young adult stuff. What are some common financial habits and challenges faced by the Henrys, and how does this 
this impact their overall financial well-being? Because this is something you deal with with Annex Ignite. Right. We hope they're saving. We hope they're investing. But the reality is sometimes they're not doing either. What we tend to find is they come out of college, they forget about these student debts, and the first thing they do is they get a car. And so they get this really big, expensive car. And then when they look at their overall net worth, their cash flow, all of a sudden, 70 to 80% is going to living and consumer debt and consumer spending. And there's not much left over. This is the high earners not going to be rich if they continue on that path. Exactly. And so what we do at Ignite, and we do it not just for Henry's, but for everybody, we start the conversation and get an understanding of what are the inflows, what are the outflows. I always tell clients, you need to do a budget, even if it's for two or three months, just to understand where your money's going. Right. A little discipline, but then you can show them what the potential is. Right. And so, you know, typically they're working for an employer. An employer offers some type of savings plan. And in that savings plan, there's an incentive where the employer gives a match. And so the first thing we tell our clients or prospects is get that match. Put the money away. A great way to start investing, but you got to stay invested. Exactly. And so as you're going along, obviously you may not be able to do that right away because your consumer debt is so high or your student loans are so high. But once you get an understanding, you might have to cut back in other areas, whether it's vacations, personal spending, going out to eat a lot. Those seem kind of simple subjects, but they're things we all need to understand and we need to you know, address. Oh, that chips away at it. Totally chips away at it. We're with Jeff Stanek, CFP, Wealth Manager and Manager of Annex Ignite. We're talking about Henry's, high earners, not rich yet. They're at the point in their lives and careers where they could easily live like kings, but if they've got patience, diligence, and guidance from Annex Ignite, things could go very well for them down the road. And it leads me to this question. How do Henry's balance saving and spending, especially considering the caution many exhibit in their financial habits, which is you've got to be disciplined? When they meet with us, we use our software to put everything in there so they can see a projection. And then we work through different scenarios. And it's not a one-year, two-year plan. It's a one-year, five-year, 10-year, 20-year plan. Nice. So you can see in five years, all of a sudden, the goal may be five years, we're going to get that company match. We're going to be saving 10% of our income. And then we coach them up to say, in 10 years, you should be up to 15 to 20%. So it takes time. Changing any type of habit, they say, takes a lot of time and hard work. But if you could show it on the screen, the absolute potential, that must get them excited. Well, it does, you know, and it, it encourages them. And then if they do become a client of Annex, then we meet them a couple times a year and just do check-ins. How are you doing? Are you meeting your goals? What kind of things are they facing? You talked about a little bit. Student debt, child care costs, lifestyle inflation. It's not so different from the rest of us. There's so much thrown at them. I got to take this great vacation or I got to go to this great event. I got to go get the most popular concert tickets. And at some point, they have to make those hard choices. Well, like, it's Annex Ignite, but it's not Annex Buzzkill either. I mean, exactly. we want people to live lives. Oh, absolutely. We want people to live life. We use a lot of math here at Annex to help explain the message we're trying to get across. And a lot of times the math really shows a clear path for people. And it starts with that Annex Wealth Management Portfolio Review, the wealth metric. Jeff and his team spot potential and then work to build plans that'll keep me on track and on the way to the kind of retirement you desire. Jeff Stanek is a CFP, Wealth Manager and Manager of Annex Ignite. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Locations, we got a bunch, making it convenient to meet with Annex Wealth Management, Elm Grove, Lake Country, Mequon, Appleton, downtown Milwaukee, right inside the Fister, Madison, Naples, Florida, Libertyville, Illinois, or as close as your computer at AnnexWealth.com. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. 
We're back. Quick reminder, this show is going to be available as a podcast at the top of the hour. Maybe you came in later. You want to hear the whole thing again. That is just fine with us. A couple of tax things. If you want to get tax smart, get the Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Strategies Review. This is really good if you're going to come on board as a brand new client with Annex Wealth Management. We look at your situation. We assess your plan. We provide insight on strategies you might want to employ. You can get going at AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. Also, Annex Wealth Management year-end tax planning guide is out. It's a free download at AnnexWealth.com. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist in the studio. Dave Spanos, our President and CEO. I saw an article this week, the most frustrating tax forms that are out there are kind of the simple ones. And then there's one complex one. The W-2 confounds people. Come on. The 1099, both the B and the DIV. But the one that really gets people is that K-1. That mm-hmm. K-1, Dave, you were saying is just, it can be a bugger, huh? Well, it can be complex for sure. But, you know, first of all, where did you get the K-1 and what was the type of investment that you were invested in? And is it complex? And of course, that's number one. And number two, how is it going to go into your tax forms? And, and that really is things you want to look at. But, you know, Brian, there are some of these investments that people that, that you know, we talk about that issue K-1s, but that, that's part of the conversation. If you have a K-1, that's something we want to take a look at. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. If you're a client of Annex Wealth Management, thank you so much. If you're not a client, the reason we're here is really to kind of tell our story and do some learning thing. And I think continuous learning is something that is really, really important. My dad instilled it in me. Dave, I think yours did in you. And Brian, I'm that for sure. <laughs> and it's one of the things that Charlie Munger really believed in. Now, Charlie Munger was, I don't want to say he was Robin to, to Warren Buffett's Batman, but those two guys were peas in a pod running Berkshire Hathaway. They were, they were, and they used to have these meetings every year, and the lines that came out, especially from Charlie Munger, and God rest his soul, uh, was, was just so funny. You know, you know, I just there's so many of them that we can cover, but here's why I wrote a couple of them down, Brian, but a man who jumps out of a building is okay until he hits the ground. <laughs> I mean, these are the kind of things that this man would say, so, right? So they would, they would describe Warren as avuncular, right. and then they would say he, Charlie was acerbic. But he, it was almost like that sword that pierced with mm-hmm. truth, right. especially when he was calling BS. Yeah, right. Well, he, he, he did call, call BS, and he used to say about EBITDA, sure. he said, every time you see EBITDA, just think BS, right? Because uh, people will play with those numbers, it, which is, of course, you know, it's one of these things that we have to look at when you're valuing companies. Here's, I'm going to hit you with another one. You know, somebody asked him about inflation a couple of years ago, and he was trying to argue that a little bit of inflation is good. And to that, he said, if I can be optimistic when I'm nearly dead, surely the rest of you can handle a little inflation. <laughs> well, given that uh, yeah, he saw a good 99 years here. Wow, that that is incredible. One of my favorite things was watching one of the films of him. It was actually a live stream where he was sitting there eating C's candy the entire time mm. that Warren Buffett was talking. I think he went through an entire box of C's candy while That's Warren fine. was going on. And yet he, Charlie would come on with these like one sentence, right. very succinct, but yet very profound right. statements. Did they invest in C's? They did. They yes, did. That, that, right. that was one of the big plus, ones. Plus, wasn't Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Right. Warren was a huge Coca-Cola And he would go guy. to McDonald's every day and get a Coca-Cola, and he's, he's just he's doing just fine. But just tell <laughs> me to drop a couple more lines on everyone for, for the humor. And uh, he said, the iron rule of nature is you get what you reward for. If you want ants to come in, you put a little sugar <laughs> on the floor. And I thought that was classic. And, of course, everyone has a retort to that. But also, 
the guys weren't complete dinosaurs either, right? No, I mean, they, he, no. he, not fans of Bitcoin, but no. they, yet they got into EV or cars Google. in China. No, but he wasn't a fan oh, of yeah, Google. Tell me that Google story. Yeah, there's something. He went to Google and he, he took a tour of it. And after he came out, he said it was like kindergarten. Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody was, you know, sitting in, ba- in beanbag chairs and, yeah. and in all these other colored, uh, these colored rooms. So we're talking about lifetime learning. What was that that you were telling me, Dave? He, he was just, he, he really felt learning. Yeah, you have to be a voracious reader. And, you know, one of his, one of his famous lines is go to bed smarter than when you woke up in other words spend some time reading and thinking and they used to do that the both of them uh, on a daily basis as they would close their doors and they read these newspapers i'm looking at you brian that is one of these things that you do an awful lot of. <laughs> well i don't know i've seen your door closed uh, in reading and all the prep work that you do and i think that's one of the beautiful things about what we're able to do here for clients as well is providing that empowering education as was, far as w- wherever you are was one of the things that they did they really employed a lot of patience dave was that it I well mean, that has to be part yeah. of it you know, you know he, he hated the fact of trading they would find wonderful companies and invest in those and it wasn't really wasn't about the price that they paid it was did that we pay a fair value for a wonderful company and something to that extent is one of those great lines folks when you go through your portfolio and i often pound the table about knowing what you own and why you own it and really what i'm talking about is we see so many people come in during the week that have a mishmash and what i mean by that which is a very uh, interesting term is they come in with all of this stuff. It might be from a bank, it might be from a brokerage firm, it might be from your former brother-in-law who sold you something, but we put it all together and when you're done, you get this balance sheet. And by the way, if even if you don't do business with us, you have it all together. So if you get run over by the proverbial beer truck, you have it in one spot. You know where it is and just that alone is worth the price of the ticket. But also, don't be don't be ashamed that you've got the mishmash because this is what happens is you continue to work, you know, throughout your life, and you're going to pick these things up: four hundred one k here, maybe a pension there, IRA there. Yeah, and honestly, we love mishmash. I mean, because it is a great place to start. It means that you care, and that we can help you build from there. And that's really what it's all about. So we're sitting here the first weekend of December, twenty twenty four. Might as well be here. I mean, it's right around the corner. Can we get you in shape? for 2024 and beyond. Would you like to work with a fee-only fiduciary? What we do is investment and retirement planning. We do tax planning, we do estate planning, and we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. That's important, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button and we will talk soon. We'll be back here next Saturday at 10 o'clock. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ.